Hey guys, I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and you're listening to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm the chief creative officer, a motivational speaker, and a life and business coach at a company called Rayma Team. I'm also thriving in the face of a life-threatening illness called cystic fibrosis. This weekly podcast is a series of real-life stories and conversations meant to encourage you with hope and more importantly, equip you with action steps to transform your life, your career, and your relationships. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. All right, Overcomers, welcome to a brand new episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. My guest today is an author that I have really come to admire, and she lives right here in Bismarck, North Dakota. So Kat Socks is the award-winning author of a children's book called Pickles the Dog, Adopted in North Dakota. She currently lives in Bismarck with her family and her two dogs. She loves volunteering as a pet therapy handler here in Bismarck, and one of her favorite activities is reading books with her son. And that is what inspired her to write her first book. And I say first because there are many more on the way. So if you have ever wondered, hey, how do you write a book? Like maybe I should write this story or I want to write a children's book, but I don't know where to start. Then grab your coffee because Kat is going to inspire you with her story, with her persistence to go down a road that she had no idea how to drive down. And she ended up being a number one best-selling author. So let's dive in and hang out with Kat. Kat, welcome to the She Who Overcomes podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. We had coffee a couple of weeks ago and after like, what, a year of saying, we should get together and have coffee. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And I just thought we had such a great conversation. And there's so much that people can learn from you about what it takes to write your first book and go after it as an independent author. And I'm just so excited for, for people to hear your story and for you to share your wisdom. Awesome. Well, um, so by background, I'm not an English major. I'm not a publicist. I'm not a publisher. Uh So, um, but I had this story, this incredible story of Pickles the dog. She originally was surrendered during the flood in Minot. And unfortunately, during the flood, there was hundreds of dogs up there. And poor Pickles kept getting returned. And a family member of mine Um, she ended up with her and she is just the sweetest dog ever. And I just felt like her story really touched me. And I really wanted to share that. Um, I already had a business in place and I felt like creating this book would just really add to what I was already doing. Um, But there was kind of was there was a problem. I had no experience and I'm not a writer. So how do I get there? What do I do? And so what I did is I put together a written plan of how could I get there? You know, I found people that had written books before who were number one bestselling authors who um, had been there as self-publishers. So I, I reached out to them, 
networked with them, um, we became really good friends. So to this day, um, it's really cool. Actually, uh, one of them, we're teaching some courses on how to Mm self-publish. So our friendship has really bloomed. And then I also looked into taking classes, reading books on how to do all this. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. And then um, basically just having the confidence to just do it. Just try. You never know what you can do unless Mm -hmm. you actually try and take that step. You know, it's always great to have these wonderful ideas, but if you never take that first step and try, you never know if you're going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely had to make some adjustments in my life. I I had to figure out, well, where do I find time to do this? I'm already busy. Mm -hmm. I'm a mom. I have a full-time job. I have a side hustle, where am I going to find time to write a book or publish a book or market a book? Yeah. And so kind of looking at where was I spending my time? Where was I spending that extra time that I could kind of give up? And, you know, it was really tough to, um, you know, take out a little Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I want to dig deeper into this, though, because uh, I think what you're saying is something that every author has to come to terms with of, okay, I have to make choices. I'm either going to write the book or I'm going to watch TV. I'm either going to write the book or I'm going to sleep in or, you know, I'm going to go socialize with my friends or I'm going to write the book. And so I think that's really great that that you admit that, hey, I needed to figure that out. And my one of the questions I have for you is, did you always want to grow to write a book? Like, did you grow up wanting to write a children's book someday or any book someday? Not really. I honestly, writing was never um, something that I enjoyed growing up. Um, English was never my favorite subject or anything like that. But I think it was the story I became so passionate about and I really wanted to share it. And um, I have a four-year-old and one thing that has always been my favorite activity with my son is reading books. He's just always loved that. And so I just really kind of found this love for children's books because he loved them so much. And so I really wanted to take all of the elements that he loved in children's books and implement them into my own book. Mm -hmm. Did you ever struggle with that idea of, oh, how can I write this when I'm, when I'm not a writer? I know when, when we help people kind of craft their story with our consulting at Rama team, we, we hear this all the time of, I want to write a book, but I'm not a writer. Or I've always thought I should write a book about my life, but I don't know what to write. And so in this case, it's writing a a children's book based on a real story. And so did you ever struggle with that? Like, and, And if you did, how did you overcome it? So here's the thing. Everyone is a writer. If you can talk you, you tell stories about your life, about what's happened to you. Um, so in that regard, we're, we're all writers. It's just a matter of if we want to share it on paper. And um, people will say, gosh, you know, I have writer's block. Do we ever get up in the morning and say, I have talker's block? <laughs> no, like we, we all talk all the time. Yep. And so um, I, I truly believe that we're all authors. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of if we choose to share that gift. Oh, gosh, I love that perspective. I've done a lot of um, 
writing conferences myself, and I heard a speaker and a writer say one time that every speaker needs to know how to write, but not every writer necessarily knows how to speak, like put together a whole speech and do a keynote in front of people. Like maybe they need to know how to speak in an interview, but not necessarily putting together a speech. And so that idea that everybody is an author, everybody is a writer, because we do, we tell stories all the time. And it's it's just taking that time again to make the right choice of, oh gosh, I really want to write this book now. And I'm I'm ready to start. Yeah. And there's definitely formulas and um, resources on mm-hmm. how to lay that out, how to do that. Same with um, giving speeches. You know, there's all kinds of resources. There's all kind of all kinds of tools. It's a matter of looking for those resources and figuring out what is the best fit for me. And mm-hmm. you know, what do you want to write about? Do you want to write about um, a, a fiction story, or do you want to do nonfiction, or do you want uh-huh. a children's book? And how how passionate are you about that story? Because that can definitely shine through in your writing. Mm-hmm. So you decided you want to share this story of Pickles the dog. Yes. And you have created a beautiful book. Like yes. for a self-published mm-hmm. children's book, it's gorgeous. It's it's like Disney quality, <laughs> which I'm I'm sure you'll share more about yes. that. But what was the first step that you took to make this idea a reality? Um, truly, the first step was just having a positive attitude. I'm not the first person to write a book. I'm not the first person to publish a book. So I know it's doable. And why can't I do it? There's, there's no reason that I couldn't do it. So... Um, one of the first steps I did was, well, I'm not an illustrator. I don't know how to draw. And that's not something that I was willing to take the time to try and learn. And so I, I started researching illustrators and just telling people, hey, I'm looking for an illustrator. If you happen to know one, let me know. And I happened to tell Kate from the Downtowners. And she said, hey, have you ever heard of Ben Brick? And I said, no, who's that? And she said, look him up, contact him. And I looked up his work and I thought, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Like I loved his work. But one thing I really wanted was somebody that loved to draw animals and people. Like that's what I wanted. And so Ben and I, we had coffee and we sat down and it was just like, we got to do this. This is perfect. Like this is a, a great match. Um, I love that we live in the same town. Like there is so much talent right here in Bismarck. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, and, and he actually, I think he did his internship at Disney. Really? <laughs> so, that's um, awesome. I have to double check with him, but I'm pretty sure that's um, what he did. And, and then in the end, I ended up using a printing company that also prints for Disney too. So um, it definitely has a lot of Disney quality in there. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, two questions. Number one, what made you go the route of self-publishing instead of looking for a publisher? And then number two, what were the things that you didn't want to compromise on? Um, so the reason I went with self-publishing is, you know, to get picked up by a publisher, I'd have to send it out to many publishers. I'd have to get picked up. Um, 
a lot of times they'll pick the illustrator. They'll change the story. Um, I might not necessarily be able to retain all the rights and and, um, things like that. So I kind of thought, do I want to wait around and see who picks it up for what price and um, how they'll change my story? Because this was a really personal story to me. Um, So I just felt like, why not self-publish? It's it's becoming easier to do self-publishing. So why not give it a shot? If that doesn't work, then I could go the publishing route. So that was mm-hmm. kind of my thought process. Um, so something that took me a year probably could have taken me many years to actually mm-hmm. accomplish. So that was a big factor. And then... Um, what was the other question? <laughs> what weren't you willing to compromise oh. on? So one dream that I had in this book was I wanted it to look like a gift that you would give to a kid, you know, for Christmas, a birthday, something really special. And so I wanted to have a hardcover with a dust jacket and a foil on the title where you it just like shimmers and it just looks like this thing that you would go to Barnes and Noble and look at the shelf and think, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful, beautiful book. And this is something I'd want to give as a gift. Um, And so that was one thing I really, really wanted. Um, But as a self-publisher, you're really limited on printing options. You know, you you, you can use these huge um, companies that basically spit out a book and a human doesn't touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that creates limits. You can't necessarily have a dust jacket that has this foil and it has all these elements that I really think make a book look amazing mm-hmm. for a children's book. Um, so what I decided to do is I felt like I kind of had some distribution set up through my baby boutique and I do a lot of shows I'm a Pride of Dakota member. Um, So I I felt like I could probably sell some books on my own. You know, I I wanted to have it in stores, but I thought, gosh, I could probably handle some inventory. (laughs) And so then I started looking into um, how to print it without using a self-publishing platform. Mm. And so then I started reaching out to printers in China and looking at different quality, different, um, you know, facilities. And I came across one that I really, I really felt good about. You know, they used vegetable-based ink, so everything was recyclable. Um, they, they were willing to do everything that I wanted. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to do it. And I'm so happy that I did do that. I took a huge risk financially by buying all these books that I didn't know necessarily if I'd be able to sell all of them. But How many did you have to buy? um, Well, it all depends on how many you wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. But I ordered a couple thousand and... um, and I was happy that I did. I mean, I had to reorder and, you know, get more. So it's it's a good feeling to know that <laughs> I don't have thousands of books. Right. <laughs> but just sitting around. Was it overwhelming to do the research and find 
printers and and trust that what you were finding was going to produce the the product that you were looking for and that you weren't um you know going to end up with something that you didn't want yeah it was a little scary because how everything happened i had kind of a deadline i had my launch party set up i had all this stuff set up so i really wanted to get the books in time for that and with customs it you know you just never know how long that process is going to take and in the end they weren't able to send me a physical sample before actually printing so i didn't oh, wow. even get to see the final product before it was shipped so that was really scary for me just um kind of taking that that leap of faith and thinking positive about that mm-hmm. that it's going to be great. It's going to look great. Um, and and fortunately, that's how it turned out. <laughs> yes, it is. It's absolutely beautiful. And I think it's it's so interesting how we met because we're both in the Bismarck area yeah. in North Dakota. But we met in Fargo, which is about two and a half, three hours away from here. And we were both on the North Dakota Today show at KVLY in Fargo <laughs> on the same day. Yeah. And so here we are, these two Bismarck people on TV in Fargo, and that's where we met. And I was flipping through the pages of your book that day, and I was just amazed at the quality and the beauty of it and the story. Yep. And it's it really has uh, gotten a lot of notice nationwide, hasn't it? Yeah, um, I've done all kinds of TV interviews and mm-hmm. newspaper interviews. Um, I and the book ended up winning national awards and became a number one bestseller. So it kind of really took off. But one of the things that I kind of tried to do was um, reach out to people, reach out to um, media and see if they would be interested in the story. Mm-hmm. And also kind of keeping a positive attitude. It, it's a really hard to receive rejection. Yes. <laughs> Especially when it's something that you've poured your heart mm-hmm. and your soul and, you know, your money into. And so uh, it was a little intimidating to just go out there and reach out and see if somebody would want to pick it up. Um, but... I felt like this was a really great product. It was a really great mm-hmm. story. Um, and I felt like it was something that kids would really enjoy. Um, and so I just did it. I I didn't um, even get nervous. That was my first TV interview. and In Fargo? In Fargo. It? Yep, that was my wow. very first one. Because you did a great job. You <laughs> never would have known that was your first TV interview. I know. And I think it was, it's a little less intimidating, because you don't see the audience. Yes. You know, you're looking at the cameras, but you don't realize this is live TV mm-hmm. in front of thousands of people. But um, I think I just, I knew my story. So it was easy to talk about. I knew what to say because it, this is what I had created. This is what I was doing. Um, so it, it just all kind of flows together when you just tell your story. How did it feel when your book became a number one bestseller and started winning awards? Um, it was really kind of just a weird feeling. I, I didn't really feel any different. <laughs> I just felt like, yep, that's that's what I was hoping for. Um, and what's next? 
Um, how do I get there? What am mm-hmm. I going to do? And I, I kind of wrote out some goals and some of them were to become a number one bestseller. One was to win an award. So mm-hmm. um, it was just all part of what I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. So here's a secret that maybe a lot of aspiring authors or especially self-published authors might not know. And that is how you actually get noticed for awards. So do you want to share that secret? Yeah. With people? <clears throat> the the trick is you you have to do it yourself. <laughs> As in you nominate yourself. Right. You you look at what kind of awards are out there and then where's the best fit for me mm-hmm. and what's the the requirements of the awards. Sometimes you have to um, have had the work published within the first couple of years. So sitting back and waiting and waiting is not necessarily the time. Uh-huh. Like you get your book out there and you start looking for those things right away. Um, but yeah, you you have to send in your book and against thousands of other people, they're going to look through your books. They have people that read them that um, critique them or kind of grade them on what what levels. Um, so it was kind of cool that I actually won some. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, another really cool thing was, um, so one of the awards I received was in Washington, D.C. over the summer. And so I had never been to Washington, D.C. And that was really fun. But I was able to go to the Library of Congress. And when I had registered my... ISBN numbers and my Library of Congress numbers. That was kind of an interesting process. But with the Library of Congress numbers, you have to ship your books once Mm -hmm. they're published. And I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be cool if I could just see my book in the Library of Congress? And so we went there and that's not how it works. It's not. Okay, (laughs) explain to us what happens. So you... Because I was unaware of all of this. Yeah. So they they what they told me is they receive about ten thousand books per day. Oh my god! Into gosh. their facility. Uh huh. And so I had shipped my book about a year before I went there, and my first book was just getting processed like that week before wow. I had I was there. And so I said, well, can I go see it? And they said, no, it's still actually in, in process. But the good news is somebody liked it and it's actually going to end up in the library. Really? So they don't just automatically put it in there because you sent it in. It has right. to be approved. It, well, or so chosen. they'll house it in some sort okay. of, I don't know, like warehouse a, yeah. or something. I mean, like a keep, book bunker. Yeah, they, they, they keep them, but... Um, not all of them actually get selected to go into the library. So they said, hey, there's a chance that it could end up in the children's library at the Library of Congress, which to me, I was like, wow, that's really cool when you get 10,000 books a day. Right. And and that one stood out. Kat, that is amazing. Yeah. Like that has to give you so much pride, like the good kind of pride of just being proud of yourself for what you did. Yeah. And I think, too, one of the things that Ben, Ben Brick, he's the illustrator of Pickles the Dog, and he just nailed the cover mm-hmm. of it. And 
I think that's what really stands out. When you just pick up the book, it's the cover that stands out. So mm-hmm. if there's any truth to people judge a book by a cover, they do. I think they really do. Yes, <laughs> they really do. We shouldn't. <laughs> Because there have been some amazing books, but the covers have not been always that great. Yeah. Or they redo the covers and then it doesn't, it either looks better or worse, who knows. But yeah. Um, but we do, we judge a book by its covers. So uh, do you know, like the printer that you went through, mm-hmm. do they only specialize in children's books and illustrated books or do they do everything? So like if, a, if, if somebody's listening and they're like, I want to self-publish a book, but I want it to have, you know, a, a jacket or I want it to be a hardcover with a with a duster cover and mm-hmm. I want it to have like an embossed feeling in the title. Yeah. Do they do that as well? Yeah, they do all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm working on a couple other books that'll come out next year and they'll actually help me out with those as well, I believe. Um, and one of them's a board book okay. for like really young kids. So they do all kinds of... What is a board book? So a board book is, it's it's like one of those cardboard, oh, okay. almost like chipboard yep. books um, that are really chunky for kind of like the babies that okay. are really young. And, yep. the, you know, the books are really basic, but um, it's easier for little kids to, to grab onto. Mm-hmm. And at that time, they kind of want to rip pages and things right. like that. So having that actually really tough board on there is kind of beneficial. Uh (laughs) Yeah. That is so awesome. So here you are, you, when did you write the book? Like, when did you start the process? Um, so let's see. I received the books last summer and it was the summer before that I really was starting to think that this was something I wanted to do. So and then that fall is when I wrote the story. I met Ben, and then um, we started the illustrations in January. We finished up the illustrations by May, and then um, everything went to print. And by July, I had the books. Okay, at, like the end of July, I think it was. And then um, the second one. Went a lot smoother. <laughs> yeah. You already know what you're doing. You don't yeah. have to take all that time to research. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, it was kind of like a, brush, a breath of fresh air. I uh-huh. didn't have to relearn the whole process. Um, ben didn't have to redevelop all these characters. Right. We just had to grow the characters. Um, and, and maybe I'll just kind of dive in yeah, a little bit. Yeah, tell us bit. what the second one is and when it yeah. comes out. So. The first one is Pickles the dog adopted in North Dakota. And Pickles, she goes to a family that lives on a farm. They adopt her. And Pickles has never been to a farm before. So I tell you what, she gets into some mischief. Um, but she has a conversation with her mom. And her mom doesn't tell her what to do. She just says, hey, try something different tomorrow. So kind of giving our children that empowerment to Maybe think through a problem. Create your own solution instead of me as a parent telling you this is how you do it and these are the steps. Because mm-hmm. as, as a parent, I feel like it's really easy for me to just tell my my son just this is how you do it and do it instead of letting him be a little creative. Um, and so the next day, the little girl, she decides she's going to bring a squeaky toy with when they go check on the animals. And every time Pickles is just about to get into mischief, she's going to run in the mud. She squeaks the pickle and 
it grabs Pickle's attention. So then she's able to redirect her Pickle's attention to her and then tell her, you know, stay with me, be right here with me, and keeping her focus and her attention on the little girl. And that's how, I mean, I train my own dogs uh-huh. and um, using that redirection. So so trying to fi- find um, very basic and humane techniques to actually train our, our animals and stuff. So, uh, and I guess I use that with my son. I mean, if he's like <laughs> screaming in the car and I say, hey, look at that dog over there. What dog? And he immediately stops screaming, like looks at the dog. And so you're just like redirecting your tension. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes I had to even do that with myself. Like I'd start thinking a negative thought, like, how am I going to do this? I, I've never done it before. And then hold on. Let's think a different route because mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend my energy on this negativity and, and then creating the positive and focusing on that. So I even use redirection with myself. But um, so anyways, this little girl, she's able to train and teach pickles to be safe on the farm. And it was really interesting. A couple weeks ago, um, a blogger had reached out to me and she she was going to write a story about my book. And she said, you know what, this just really isn't a, a good fit. And I said, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And then a couple weeks later, she emailed me and she said, so what I do is I foster children. I have a foster blog and I do all this um, fostering. And she said, my foster kid was reading, we were reading your book. And when Pickles had had this really hard day and she's under the table and she just looks really sad, um, the little boy said, that's how I felt when I first got here. And um, she kind of realized, okay, this story does relate. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we put so much pressure on our kids and when they go to a new environment or have to do something new, expecting them to just suddenly do what mm-hmm. we um, had envisioned or thought that they would do right. instead of guiding them in a way that makes sense for them personally uh-huh. and, you know, giving them the confidence and and supporting them. Um, so she ended up writing this beautiful blog about um, foster care and this book, which it was, I never imagined that my book would help kids in foster care. So that was kind of unexpected things uh-huh. that kind of came from I it too. I saw you sharing that yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. Not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the basis for the first story. The second story is Pickles the Dog, A Christmas Tradition. And so... That one is all about giving at Christmas time. There's hidden pickles throughout the pages, and it's based on a Midwestern tradition of hiding a pickle ornament on the tree. Whoever finds it ends up with an extra gift. And And that story was actually inspired by my son. He was three over Christmas, and he was so interested in Santa and presents, and he was just... He had a list of toys that he wanted. And I thought, oh man, like, (laughs) how am I going to explain to him that it's not all about getting presents and and stuff? So I just kind of sat down and I thought about it for a little bit. And then I decided, 
you know, maybe we could do something. Let's just try something here. So we wrote out a list of everybody he knew, and then we wrote out a list of everything that they liked and enjoyed. And then he did some extra chores, he earned some money, and then we went to the store and he picked out gifts for each person on the list according to their likes. And um, it took a long time at the store, but in the end, he wrapped the presents, he gave it to them at Christmas, and in the end, he was more excited about that than he was about the Paw Patrol boat that he Mm -hmm. really wanted for Christmas. So I thought, you know, kids at a very young age are capable of wanting to give and getting enjoyment out of that. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the whole basis for that book in um, this little girl. She goes out and she does unusual giving at Christmas time. So she goes and she makes cookies for her grandma and takes them to the nursing home and, um, you know, makes dog blankets and takes them to the animal shelter. So my hope is to encourage kids to you know, think about what they're interested in and then how they can maybe give hmm. through that interest. And maybe it's animals. Maybe it's um, through helping another person or another family or, you know, there's all kinds of giving trees to, um, there's so much need out there. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can get our kids to to want to do that, that would mm-hmm. be a really cool thing. And when does this book come out? So that book comes out here in just a couple weeks. So um, it'll definitely be here before um, October 1st. Okay. Yeah. And as you're listening, or as as I'm listening to you, I should say, I am so intrigued and amazed by you're basically writing coaching books through (laughs) the eyes of a kid's story. That's really interesting. I guess I've never like, even it really thought is. about it's it. It's like you're teaching these self-help things that we as adults are consuming day in and day out because somewhere along the line, we forgot or maybe we were never taught some of these basic skills of thinking for yourself, of you know problem solving, of um, giving more and looking for those opportunities. And yet, here you are, you have brought them down into such simple concepts that children can understand it. And the proof of it that it's that it's a coaching thing like that is even what that mom said um, when she, the, the foster mom, how yeah. she said, oh, I guess this does apply mm-hmm. because we, we grasp onto stories. Mm-hmm. And so for any aspiring author out there that's listening, pay attention to how Kat is talking about these real life situations that you found yourself in and pick up her book and watch how she shares the story, how she shares the message, because that's, I mean, it's really, it's really probably the same way that you've expressed it here, that you express it in a story. It's just with illustrations. Yeah. It's a children's book is just so special in you can convey things in a very visual way. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's the illustrations are so important to get the right feel, the right emotion on each page. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me as a parent, I, 
I think parenting's hard. <laughs> it's never been like, oh, this is so easy. And um, so any tool that I've found or anything that's actually worked for me is just like, yes, this actually worked. And so um, it, it got me excited about the Christmas thing because I felt like it really worked. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I guess too, with the first one, redirection, I felt like it actually worked with my dogs. Um, I have two big great Danes and man, if they start wrestling in the house, they break a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. And so we taught them to go grab a toy when you're excited. And that's how you you tell me that you're excited and we'll play. But we're wrestling's for outside. So mm-hmm. um that's just how we ended up training the dogs and it worked. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really cool that yeah, we can put that into a children's book and break mm-hmm. it down and and share that story. So what what one piece of advice would you give to aspiring authors that are listening right now? Just do it. I mean, you never know what you can do until you try. I am so happy that I actually tried to do this, even though I felt like I wasn't necessarily qualified or an expert in what I was doing, but I just did it and I tried. And now I feel like I'm helping other people. I'll be um, working with a gal in Florida tomorrow on her own book Uh and she's kind of taking the next step. So teaching courses now. I never imagined that I would be doing any of this stuff, but I just had to go and try and Mm -hmm. found out, you know what? I love it. I I never felt like I was a writer, Mm -hmm. but now I I really enjoy it. (laughs) And I'm doing all kinds of things to build on that and to take it to the next step. I'm more books coming next year, not necessarily pickles, but all kinds of stuff. So and you still have a full-time job, correct? I do. So you're doing all of this. So for those of you who are like, oh, but look at her. She might be a full-time author now. No, she has a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And and you're a mom. Yeah. And you're doing all of this at the same time. Yeah. Because yeah. it comes down to choices. It does. I mean, it it is kind of tough to set aside the time. But one thing that I've found is if even if I just take 10 minutes a day, and try and do something related to the book. Mm-hmm. It it's so beneficial. A lot of times I think, oh, that's going to take a long time. But if you actually sit down and do it, it ends up not taking as much time as you thought well, for sure. certain projects. So it's kind of like just taking that initiative and that step. And then once I got into the routine of doing that every day, um, and you know, fortunately, some days I could spend more than 10 minutes. Right. Um, but just getting into that habit, mm-hmm. finding the time, okay, from X time to this time will be the time that I write. And this is going to be the time that I do X. Mm-hmm. So blocking off that time and setting aside that time and being true to that time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're writing um, a 10 chapter book, set aside your time for writing and then Mm -hmm. stick to it and make sure that your environment's comfortable. You Mm -hmm. know, if you're thinking about doing the dishes, doing the laundry, um, you know, all the things with the kids, it's not going to be 
that creative mindset that you need. So you need to create that space that's going to be productive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a just for fun question that I ask every single guest is, if you were a shoe, what would you be and why? So this is a really tough question, but (laughs) so I love purple. Purple is like my favorite color. And so they'd have to be purple. And I would say tennis shoes because I really enjoy physical activity, like Mm -hmm. working out or going for a walk or going for a run. And so that just kind of kind of clears my head and I, I get creative. You know, if I'm out running or walking or something, you get to think about things that you you don't necessarily get to when you're doing all kinds of stuff. So um, I would have to say purple tennis shoes. <laughs> I love that. Okay, Kat, how can people connect with you? Yeah, so I am on Facebook and Instagram, Pickles the Dog Books and um, Cat's Socks with two S's. And um, also my website, picklesthedog.com. Awesome. So thank you so much for being a guest. I think that there is so much that people can learn from you. And I really want to encourage my listeners to Uh, connect with you online and to maybe even, you know, reach out and ask those questions, maybe find out where you got things printed and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, dig into even the classes that you're going to be offering because you, you have this gift that was hidden in you. (laughs) And over the last two years, it has just bloomed and it's so fun to watch. And I can't wait to stop this recording and, and like thumb through your, your new book because yeah. I've thumbed through the old ones already, but they've been sitting on the counter here and I've been staring at them and I'm just like, I want to open them. <laughs> so thank you so much, Kat. It has been wonderful having you here. Thank you so much. It's been great. We will be back with another episode for you next week. For now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that means the world to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, go to BigBlueCouchCoaching.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram under BigBlueCouchCoaching. A shout out to my hubby, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. And most importantly, I hope that you found something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think. I'll see you next week.